Lord, we bless you today, Lord. We honor you today, God. We acknowledge your goodness and your greatness and your grace and your kindness, God. There is no one like you, Lord. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the good shepherd. You're the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You're the eternal one. You're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're the friend of sinners, the Lamb who's taken away the sins of the world. We honor you, Lord, with our hearts, with our, with our praises, with our very lives, Lord. We bow down to you in recognition of who you are, our Savior and our God. As Thomas said, my Lord and my God. We bless you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We will spend eternity just thanking you, Lord. The Lord is so good. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, that while you were on the cross, suffering and dying for us, shedding your innocent blood, you were faithful to the end, Lord. You said, Lord, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Father, thank you. It was your plan from ages long ago, before the foundation of the world. You had planned this in the Son, in the Holy Spirit, the the Trinity, all part of, of salvation, one aspect, one part. Jesus Christ, the faithful God, who now is our high priest in heaven, who stands, or he stood with Stephen when he was being stoned, but he's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. And Lord, we're going to learn about that today, Lord. Oh, that's good news, Lord. We have somebody. I know a guy in heaven. That's you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Now, Lord, as we enter into continuing of worship, as we dig into your word and study your word, let our hearts be aflame, Lord, with appreciation and love and gratitude, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I pray for the help of the Holy Spirit in preaching and teaching this word. Let it not be my words, Lord, but your word, Lord. You speak to us, Lord, through your Holy Spirit and through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning. Good morning. How is everyone doing? Welcome to Resurrection Church. Absolutely beautiful worship. I could just, I could have just let you play it on and on and on and on. And, but I realize I have a sermon to preach, but that was wonderful. If we can have the other lights on. Um, welcome to those who are watching online. If you are a regular or a first-time person, say hello. Glad you joined us. We hopefully are back online. We had some technical issues last week with our internet and computer stuff, but it's been fixed, Lord willing. So you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and our website. So, yes, praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Hebrews. 
book of Hebrews, chapter 7. We've been going through Hebrews, and we are in a, in a wonderful passage of Scripture today in chapter 7. I'm going to actually read verses 20 to 28, but my focus is going to be on 20 to 25. But I'm still just going to read the whole thing, okay? Hebrews chapter 7, verse 20. And inasmuch as it was not without an oath, for they indeed became priests with an oath, but he with an oath through the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. So much more, Jesus also has become the guarantee of a better covenant. And the former priest, on the one hand, existed in greater numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing. But Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues, holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily, like those other priests, to offer up uh, sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, because he did this once and for all when he, himself, uh, when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men as high priests who are weak, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Amen. Now we're going to focus on verses 20 to 25. Just a real quick introduction. The Hebrew letter, it's actually a sermon written to Jewish believers who have been tempted to leave the faith. They become discouraged. They've gone through trial and tribulation, and they were tempted to give up on Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews, the whole intention of Hebrews is to say, Jesus is better than any other option you have out there. You want to follow angels? Jesus is better than angels. Angels are angels, and Jesus is God. You want to follow the law? Jesus is better than Moses. Moses is good, but Jesus is better because he's better. You want to follow Joshua, who brought you into the land? Jesus, who is... The real Joshua, God of salvation, brings you into heaven, right? You want to follow another priesthood. You want to go through another priesthood like Aaron. He was good, but he was temporary. Jesus is a better priesthood. In fact, the main section of Hebrews is about Jesus' priesthood. And he's going to continue on... I'm hearing feedback here. He's going to continue with Jesus having a better covenant in chapter 8, which we'll get to, Lord willing, next week. Jesus is better. You can't get better than Jesus. I think I lost my voice. Are you guys hear me now? I'm excited. Can you turn me up a little bit? Okay, sound guy, wherever you are. The man behind the curtain. Oh, yeah. That's a little loud. We actually have a man behind the curtain. But Jesus is better. You can't get any better than Jesus. And now in this section, as he's beginning to argue for the priesthood of Christ, which is very important. Now, we don't really relate to it because we don't go to Jerusalem. We don't go to a temple. We don't offer sacrifices like they did, bloody affair every single week, every single year, right? But Jesus has a better priesthood. Now, in verse 20, 
we're going to talk about, first of all, a priesthood. Why do you need a priest? A priest is the guy who goes before you on behalf of you before God. You can't just go walk into God's presence because God is holy. You and I are sinful, right? You need a representative. To, you need a guy in heaven, right, to, to stand in your gap and to, 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 to really in, intercede on your behalf. That's what you need. And the priesthood of Aaron and the, the human priesthood, they, they can only do so much and so far. And so he's going to say, the priesthood is necessary because you need somebody to stand between God and you because you and I are sinful. Jesus Christ is that person, right? Amen? Now, what is this? Now we're going to ask the question, what does this priesthood include? And I have four words, and I don't plan this like this, but they all begin with the letter P. It just happened that way, and I don't normally do that, but it happens this way. Why do we need this priesthood? What does this priesthood include? The first thing it includes is a pledge, a pledge from God, okay? The priesthood includes a, pre- a pledge from God. Look at verse 20. Inasmuch as it was not without an oath, for other priests became a priest without an oath, he had an oath that said, the Lord has sworn you are a priest. He became a priest. He is our representative before a holy God with an oath. Now he's, of course, he's our Lord, he's our God, he's our king. You know, First uh, Timothy one seventeen says, to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. Honor. We know that, but now he's our priest with an oath. This oath is binding. This pledge that he has is a commitment that's binding. God is committed to having to make sure you have representation. God is committed that 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 this this pledge means that there's responsibilities of those who respond. That priest has responsibilities, has stipulations, has penalties, has, has rules and regulations. That he is committed, he is pledged to have an advocate, Jesus Christ, to be your spokesman, to be your help. That's his pledge. Amen. This oath, this pledge, is backed by his word. It is backed by his character, it is backed by his nature. The Lord has sworn. That's legal technology. That, that's legal, legal technology, legal, legal terminology. I'd better slow down. Legal terminology. You swear an oath, right? You place your hand on the Bible. I swear. This is God saying, I swear that you are a priest forever. That's God taking the oath. It's backed by my character, it's backed by na- my nature, it's backed by my word. The, he became a priest through an oath. Through the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn. I call people to witness. I call heaven and earth to witness. I am swearing that this is my pledge and I will not change my mind. Many of us change our minds, right? We are fickle people, but God is not fickle. You have an unchanging God's, God's unchanging commitment that Jesus Christ will represent the believers for all of eternity. That gives me confidence. I don't know about you. Because sometimes you're like, well, has, you wake up someday and say, well, I'm tired of this whole priesthood thing. God, find another. No, no, no. There's this is a pledge by God himself. It is his provision, his appointment. He has decided that Jesus will be priest forever. Now it says that he will be a priest and a guarantee of a better covenant. Look at verse 22. Jesus is priest and he's a guarantee of a better covenant. I'm not going to get, dig too deeply into this because chapter 8 actually talks about this better covenant. But Jesus is the guarantee. What does that word guarantee mean? Now, guarantee is the Greek word angios. It means to be the assurance that something will be fulfilled. It means to be security, 
He's the security. Uh, he's the guarantee that the reality will come. Um, it's used of a person who places their life on the stake to make sure another person will meet certain specifications. I'm guaranteeing that, that these people who come, to Christ, who come through Christ will be representative. I'm guaranteed that they, he will take the responsibilities of the priesthood. This means that Jesus will perfect in us what he has started. It means that he is our guarantee of eternal life. It is resting on his shoulders, not our shoulders. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus that life eternal is on his shoulders, not our shoulders. He has become the guarantee of our debts. He paid our debts, amen? He has taken upon himself the commitment to ensure the fulfillment of representation as our God. It's like God, when he cut the covenant with Abraham, Abraham was sleeping. There's animals split in half. And here's God walking through as represented by an oven and, and a smoking torch and things like that. God himself said, I will perform this covenant, Abraham, all by myself. I will take responsibility to fulfill it, the Abraham covenant. Same thing with us. Jesus says, I will start and finish, and it's on my shoulders. Where you lack, Jesus provides. Where, where, where you sin, he pays the cost. Amen? Do you know this certainty? Do, are you, do you know that you have a guarantee by Jesus Christ as your peace, priest to represent you and, and to, to qualify you by washing away your sins and being represented? Do you, do you, or are you trying to represent yourself? If you were before the, if you were to go before the Supreme Court, would you hire the best lawyers you can afford, or would you go and try to take a correspondence course on legal stuff and rep- represent yourself before the Supreme Court? No, no, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't get very far. You probably don't, couldn't even find the address to the Supreme Court without a good attorney, right? What changes? What do I? How do I address these people? No, no, no. There's there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a courtroom scene here. But God has pledged His commitment to have Christ be your priest. Second word is the word permanence. First word was pledged. Second word is the word permanence. And in verse 23, we see that this priesthood or this priesthood also includes the permanence of his priesthood. Verse 23. The former priests, on the one hand, existed in greater numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing. But Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently here we see of course the permanence of this priesthood we saw that it was guaranteed with an oath god was committed to it and jesus now has a permanent priesthood now i want you to note some contrast here look at the verse 23 it says on the one hand you see that and then verse 24 on the other hand that there there's contrast between the priest of aaron the human priest and jesus First of all, look at the first contrast is that there were many in number, right? On the one hand, there existed a great number of priests. Now, uh, I think Josephus tells us there were 83 high priests in the history of the, the priesthood, okay? One priest lived so many years, and then he had died. Next guy took over so many years, and he served for 25 years, and then, you know, and on and on and on. They existed in many numbers, but he is one. Amen? He is one. This speaks, of course, of his effectiveness, what the many couldn't even do, he accomplished all by himself. What the many could not accomplish, Jesus Christ, through his sinless offering of himself, this perfect priesthood, this permanent priesthood, offers himself. They, on the one hand, were prevented by death from continuing, 
but he continues forever. Now, I always wonder, why forever, God? Because we will all, well, I answered my question here. We all always need, we're not going to turn into God. We're still going to be human. We're going to have, we have new nature, but we will always have somebody in Jesus Christ. That's why he's a permanent, he took on flesh permanently. He took those, he has those scars permanently. Amen? Oh, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. They were prevented by death from continuing, but Jesus continues his priesthood forever. This speaks, speaks also of his everlasting commitment. The word to continue means to, to remain, to abide. It's, he's in it for the long haul. Bless the Lord. He doesn't grow weary. Others grow weary and tired. He never grows weary and tired. He remains unchanged and steady the course is he. This speaks also of his consistency and constancy. Your failures won't wear Christ down. Your, your constant coming to him won't annoy him. He won't say, oh, won't you just please get it already for the 10,000th time. He won't do that. He'll say, keep coming, son. Keep coming, daughter. I understand. Father, boy, let me tell you what it's like to be a human being and to understand weakness. He won't be frustrated when you ask for his help time and time and time and time and time. Lord, please help me moment by moment. If it's every single millisecond of the day, he won't be annoyed at that because he's committed to that because he's a permanent priest. Amen. He's steadfast. He's liable always night and day, 24 seven in sickness and health. Good times or bad times, trials, tribulations, victories, defeats. He is your permanent priest before the father. Father, look also if they existed in numbers and they're prevented by death, which means that they were only, they were only shadows. They were placeholders. They were temporarily, they were like fill-ins, you know? They were, they're stocking, they were, they were doing a good job, but Christ is the reality of what they pointed to. That's why you don't need to go to another priest. He is the priest to go to, amen? There is no one there, there's no one past him. I'll get to that in a second. They were sh- shadows, short-term standings, but he is there permanently. This means that he is unchangeable without successor. That means there's no one that takes place. No one is going to supersede or take place after him. See, some semi-Christian religions, they're not really Christian, they say they have, a, <clears throat> they have a priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. Speaking of our, our Mormon friends, they hold their priesthood as after the order of Melchizedek. The problem is they haven't read Hebrews. Because there's no other one behind, besides Jesus Christ who is after him. There's no priesthood descended from Christ. It's Christ, and that's a lot. That's own. That's alone. That's. I'm talking too fast. I'm excited. Amen. Amen. I mean, if you can't read the Word of God and be excited, I don't know what it is. But you know, and it's not the coffee because I'm just excited because this is good news. He abides to the ages. That's what it l- literally says. That he continues forever. That word means to abide forever. He abides throughout the ages. They were limited in their efficacy. They were limited in their efficacy. But he accomplishes all by himself what they could never accomplish. He's able to set free. He's able to, able to deliver. He's able to change life. They were insufficient in their time, but he accomplishes all of God's perfect will. They were limited because they were sinful, right? But he is sinless, perfect. They were imperfect, imperfect, and imperfections, but Christ is perfect. Sin has not affected him. He is the source. His grace is sufficient. He is our 
permanent priest. Amen? Fully capable, fully committed. Now, the third word I want to tell you is the word parameters. Now, parameters, what is that? We know the priesthood now is a pledge by God. And that's permanent. But now the parameters, what is that parameters? That, I think of boundaries. Ah, what are the parameters of this priesthood? Look, look at verse 25. Amen, amen. Therefore, he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession. for. I love that verse. He always lives to make intercession for us. It says that he is able, he is able, right? That word in the Greek is the word dunamai or dunamis, which we get the word dynamite. It means, it means to, to be sufficient to, be, to meet the need or task. He is able, he is sufficient. He is capable, he has the strength. There's no limit to Christ's power. His strength is unlimited, his wisdom is unmatched. He's able to change you. He's able to set you free. He's able to breathe life where things are dead. Now, now we're going to get to the parameters here. You know, I'm just giving you his ability here, which is, which is unparam- there's, there's unparameterable. I'm making up words here. There's no, param- there's no bounds to what he can do. Amen? He's able to establish you, as Romans 16, 25 says. He is able to build you up, as Acts 20, 32 says. He is able to provide sufficiently for your need, as 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says. I know I'm going through these verses pretty fast because I'm realizing my time is short, and guess what? Christ is coming back soon. I better end the sermon before Christ comes back, but guess what? God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. That's God, amen? He's able to guard what you entrusted. Why don't you put this one up? First, uh, 2 Timothy 1, 12. You have that one, Breath? Here we go. For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I also am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able, same word, to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. He is faithful and powerful. He's able to aid us in temptation and to keep us from stumbling. Amen. And I'm, I haven't got to the parameters yet. I'm just giving you a little, little warm-up here on this verse, Okay. He's able to save. What does that mean? word save mean? Now, save is the word to deliver. It means to rescue. He's, he's able to rescue. Now, there's three kinds of salvation. Okay, I'm just giving you this because it'll, it'll lead into the parameters, okay? The word there, there is sozo. Uh, it means to deliver from sin. It means to rescue somebody physically. The, the Israelites were rescued, delivered physically from physical bondage but it also means to deliver and rescue somebody spiritually as well. Amen? It means to preserve, to rescue, uh, uh, to save, to save from demonic powers, to save from sickness, to save from sin, from the guilt and penalty of sin. Are you, are you guys with me now? Okay. So just stay with me here. In salvation, there's, there's a past tense salvation. When you come to Christ and you believe in Jesus Christ, you are justified. You are saved from, from condemnation, right? That's past tense. And it's a one-time event. You place your faith in Christ. Jesus Christ washes away your sins, and his righteousness is applied to your life. So then when God sees you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. It's a positional righteousness, not depending on, on whether you have a good day or a bad day, whether you feel 
I don't feel justified. I, don't, I feel justified. No, no, it's constant. That's past tense. There's future tense salvation, which we call glorification. One day he will deliver our bodies, our lives from the presence of sin, right? We're, I don't know about you. I'm getting tired of getting up in the morning and having my, 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 my ankles crack a little bit and my, my feet hurt as I walk. And you know, I have to warm up and I have to take it. I'm getting, oh, I, I need to start running again. I understand that. But, but that's one day glorification is when the, where Christ will make sin a distant memory in the past. Amen? That's, that's happening in the future. But then there's a present tense salvation, what we call sanctification. And that's deliverance from the present now um, present um, um, power of sin. Jesus Christ is able to save, to deliver you from the power of sin. Now, look what it says in verse 25 again. Let me just look at it again. Therefore, he is able to save forever those who what? Draw near to him. This is a practical daily um, deliverance, his power that's available to deliver you now, not just from the penalties of sin that, that we've come to faith in Christ, not from the reality of, of sin in the world in the future, but right now, help right now, help right now. Paul says, for the word of the cross is foolish, foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. The power of God right now. We are being saved from the power of sin. This is the practical side. As we experience deliverance of, from his strength in our life every day. This is the working out in our life what God has worked in. This is what Philippians says in Philippians 2.12. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but also much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who's work in you both to will and to good for his good. Work out what he's working in. That's the, that's the, what we call sanctification where you, where you and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit says, John, what you said was hurtful to your, your loved one here. You better uh, say you're sorry. You know, you're right, Lord. I go and say, I am sorry. I then, and because I'm obeying the Holy Spirit, there's a sanctification th thing that happens there because I'm submitting to his and his power delivers or gives me the ability to do that. Jesus saves and provides his power, his strength to overcome sin. He delivers us. For this, I could probably get to spend the whole sermon on this, but I'm not going to. Now look at, no, I want you to note here, first of all, the parameters. Here's the first parameter. Look at verse 25. He is able to save forever. Now, some of that word can be translated in two different ways. The first way, and the way I have here in my, my, my Bible, is the word forever. This is a time parameter. This word in the Greek is the word uh, pantales. It means for all time. Jesus can save every day, all day. There's no limitation to his help. There's no... Uh, there's no expiration for his help. I'm so sorry, son, but your, your help, my limit of helping you ended yesterday. I'm so sorry. How many of you guys like to eat food that was past our expiration date? Okay, I don't, right? I throw the thing out. Uh, there's no expiration date on, the, on his help. Amen. That's a parameter. There's no statutes of limitations. 
no limitation of time. He's available 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Just as his forgiveness is unlimited, so Jesus is able to help and deliver. He does not sleep. He does not delay. He does not take a vacation. He does not say, I'm sorry, you're, the person is out, out to lunch today. Jesus is always, 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 always a parameter that says, there's no limits, no vacation. Now, now how often you come, there's no limits. Hey, five times in their punch card, and that's it. You've got to start. No, 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 no. And he's not surprised. Your problem... Wait, here's the thing. Your problem brought to Jesus in prayer. Your problem, Jesus' prayer and God's provision. That's the flow. And it never ends. Never ends. That's the first parameter. The second parameter is not only is it to the other extreme of time as, as far as our time on earth, of course, during, during this time we're living on earth, but he saves, he, he's, he's, uh, he, his priesthood is to the utmost extreme. That same word, some of your Bibles say, don't have the word forever. How many of you guys have a different word in your, in your Bible? It says, he is, some Bibles translate the word completely. How many of you guys have a Bible that says completely? Okay, back there, okay. It's the same Greek word. You can translate it as forever, like in time, or you can translate it completely or to the utmost. What does this mean? Jesus is able to save us to the utmost. To the utmost degree of your need. He's able to rescue and deliver and save to the highest degree of how strong of the thing you're going through. See, some of us don't realize the power of Christ to actually change your life. We go through the motions, we act like, yeah, but I'll just do some self-help to help me out, not realizing you have the power of God and Jesus Christ to actually change your life. Oh my goodness, I wish we as a church, not just our church here, but we as a church would understand the power of God through Jesus Christ. We don't realize who we have. We, 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 the devil says, you know, he, he, that, that stuff doesn't work. That, 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 really? Find me one happy person who's on depression medications. No one's happy on depression medications. Find me one person whose life was actually changed by, doing, by looking at themselves and being introverted and looking at all the problems, and then they came out gloriously happy. No, but Jesus Christ, he's the power of God into salvation. This word did the utmost to parameter. First parameter was time. Second parameter is the degree of rescue. He's able to set us free and to rescue to the highest degree. The kind of sin you're involved with, the kind of bondage you may be struggling with is not too much for Christ to deliver or rescue you. He can deliver and help you completely to the greatest extent of sin. You may be in bondage and your chains may be thick. You may be Ebenezer screwed with with thick chains waiting, but your thick chains and bondage, you're you're stuck and you're stuck and you're stuck and you're stuck is not too much for Christ to set you free. He holds the keys of, he- of, of hell and Hades. He has the actual keys to open up the doors of hell. You don't think he can set you free from sin's bondage on you? Of course he can. Amen? He can deliver you from the greatest extent of sin and the greatest extreme of sin. This is not half-hearted by Christ. This is all out. 
who, he who the Son sets free is free indeed, amen? He saves to the greatest power. The, the strength of sin is no strength for him. This implies right here that no one is beyond his reach. No one is beyond his reach. You may say, I'm the exception to the rule. This thing I'm dealing with is too much for Christ to handle. You really? Death couldn't keep him down. They tried to bury him. They, they put a big stone in the way. They had guards and everyone. And they watched. They, they pierced his body. They nailed them. And he was dead. And, and everyone's like, stay down. And he's like, nope, three days later, he's alive. Amen? Come on now. He saves. He impl- this implies that no, no one is beyond his reach. This implies that no circumstance, no scheme of the devil. This gives me hope on a daily basis. Sometimes it's on a moment-by-moment moment basis. Lord, I need your strength. Lord, I need your strength. Lord, I need your strength. And that doesn't always mean... You know, here's the, sometimes we, th- we think if we pray to the Lord, that he'll prevent problems from happening our way. No, no, no. He says, I'm going to walk you through the valley of shadow of death. But I'm going to be with you so that you can be in the midst of your enemies. And they're like, the shepherd is with the sheep and he's having lunch here. What is that all about? Because guess what? You know... Then that that unless God gives the devil permission, he they can't t- he can't touch you, right? Lord, I don't know what you're doing, and sometimes I wish the Lord would prevent us from going through problems. But we wouldn't even know the faithfulness and power of God had we not seen. Wow, wow, Jesus, that was powerful what you did there. Don't doubt that. That's that's that's. This implies that. See, some people think that your sin is too dirty for even Christ to wash away. Or the trial you're facing is too, too much for him to bear. God says, my grace is sufficient. He can free you. He can deliver you from the greatest rejection, from the greatest depression, the greatest despair. Do you know the limits that Christ will go to to set you free and rescue you? Do you know to the utmost and to the utmost time and utmost circumstances will he will go? Here's Jesus going across the lake, going across the Sea of Galilee, making a beeline for a place where there was a man who was forgotten by society. He was possessed by a thousand demons. Chains couldn't keep him down. No one can keep him locked up. And everybody else gave up on him. And Jesus Christ crossed the lake, beeline just for that man because that man was hopeless without Christ. Give that man a self-help book and he'll laugh at your face. But Jesus Christ comes on the scene and demons recognize, oh no, we're in trouble. Oh no, here comes Jesus, the Son of God. What do we have to do with you, Jesus? How many are you? We're, 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 okay, we're a, th- we're a thousand. We're a legion. We're, we're a little out of us here. Get out. <laughs> that poor soul was in desperate help. Everyone gave up. He probably gave up on himself. He probably just lost in the midst of all those demons. You know, where is he? But Jesus Christ loved him so much to go across, to make a beeline, set that man free. That man wanted to follow Jesus. I won't go. Can I follow you? No, you tell people what happened. That's the power of God. That's the limit to Christ's salvation. He has a pledge. The pledge of his priesthood. Right? 
His, his priesthood is, is permanent, isn't it? And the parameters of his priesthood? Mm-mm. Whatever it is. Oh, don't beat yourself up for what you've done. Oh, Christ can, don't, 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 don't think that Christ rejects you. Nuh-uh. Do you know the limits that Christ can deliver you from? Now, sometimes deliverance takes hard work. You say, Lord, yes, okay, I will trust you. I surrender to you. There's the parameters of his priesthood. But then fourthly, fourth word, is the word provision. Uh, look what it says in verse 25. Therefore, he's able to, uh, therefore, he is able to save forever those who draw near those who draw near to God. There are no restrictions for those, are there? Some Bibles say the word whosoever. Whosoever. There's no um, limitations on who can come. He doesn't say you have to be of this denomination. It doesn't say those who have all the Bible knowledge can come. Those, whoever, come near to Christ. That's why Jesus says in John 6, 37, all that the Father gives to me will come to me, and the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. Oh, my goodness. You come to Christ, he says, I won't cast you out. The devil say, well, he's not going to accept you because you're the exception. That's nonsense. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's written, which means it's, he's spoken, it's written down. It means the whole world sees that. All of the angels, everyone knows what he said, and he means what he says. I will certainly not cast him out. Come to Christ. When you come to Christ, you draw near to Christ, there's provision. There's compassion for the suffering. Amen? There's comfort for the hurting. There's your provision. You're hurting, you come to Christ, there's, there's comfort. There's help. There's grace to meet your need. We've got a high priest who's not so far in heaven that he doesn't know what's going on. No, no, he's like, I understand. Let me give him grace. Let me give her grace. Let me give her the strength that she'll need to go, go through what she's going through. Are you weak? His strength is available. Come on now. Are you lacking courage? Are you fearful? He'll be your strength. Amen? Everything about us is about Christ living his life through us. Amen? He's able to save forever those who draw near to God through him since he always lives. I mean, just say, can I say, when you come near to God, when he says he, you draw near to God, those, anyone who draw nears to God, this word actually means to actually approach somebody. And it, it speaks of approaching somebody in worship, approaching a deity in worship. But this idea isn't just a mental thought. It isn't just an agreement with doctrine. Yes, I know that to be true. I know, you know there's, that's part of it, right? But drawing near to God is a choice of the will, is the choice of the heart. It's clinging to God for help. It's actually saying, Lord, I need you. See, sometimes we live our Christian lives just in our heads, but now it's like, Lord, I'm desperate. Now I'm coming to my, I'm Lord, I need you. I'm drawing near to God on my knees. I need you. It's like, Lord, help. Sometimes that's all it is. Going near to God, it could be just the word, help. Lord, help me. 
It takes action, it takes humility, it takes hunger and a recognition of your need. But we come to Christ, we come to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Amen? We have direct access to God through Jesus Christ. We don't have to go through Mary or Joseph or some other person. We go through Jesus Christ only. Him only. Well, he's too busy in heaven running the... No, 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 no. That's not how it works. He is your priest. He is your mediator. He is your spokesman. You're a ch- if you're a child of God, you have, you, have the, you, have the, you have the direct access to him. Amen? He's committed to this because he says he draws near, or he, he, is, he always lives, always lives to make intercession for them. This is Christ's life in heaven, is talking to God for you. My daughter down there, father, she is, she is, she's, she is, there's more angels, we need more angels here. Lord, we need more grace here. We need, she needs, she needs encouragement. I see what the enemy's trying to do here. See, you don't, can I just say something here? When he makes intercession, he makes a request because he knows what we need. We don't know what we need, do we? He is in heaven and he sees what's going Father, she's going to need strength because there's something coming down the pike that she is not aware of. Father, I need that strength for, for my daughter there, right? I, I see the enemy planting a trap over here. We don't realize what we need, do we? One time I was, this is years ago, I was going, we were going um, camping with my dad and, and, and there was back in, in Buffalo, New York and it was in wintertime and of course it snows back in Buffalo, and, and we're, we're, you know, we're all in the back, we're, we're laughing, and we have music on, we're kind of having fun with little kids, you know, and then he turned on the, the radio, and, he's, and my dad's like, you know, we just crossed that bridge back there, and we hit a sheet of ice, and it must have been an angel, because we should have slid off, it was a bridge over this, you know, this big, you know, fault, you know, it was an angel that had to guide us through. We didn't, and of course, I'm oblivious. I'm a little kid. I'm oblivious to the danger I'm in. And here is God guiding our car across this bridge in the dead of winter with snow and ice everywhere, not realizing that I need help when I needed help. That's Jesus Christ interceding for you, giving you help when you don't realize you need help. Amen? Amen? Jesus is always committed to continuing his life of prayer for us. This implies our need of prayer, implies the, the fact that we would need the Son of God to intercede for us really implies the gravity of the need that we have, doesn't it? We don't have some third-rank angel, you know, no offense to the angels, I'm talking, you know, I'm, I'm giving respect to God's creation, but, but we have the Son of God. Come on now. We don't have some cheap attorney, you know, who's no offense to cheap attorneys. We've got the very best of the very best of the very best. This also implies that he has the supply to meet that need. Amen. His provision, his willingness and availability. I don't know where I lack, but Jesus does. I don't know where the attack will come from, but Christ does. I don't know what I'll face and how long. I don't know 
this trial I may be in, that, you're, that you may be in, that's heavy on you. I don't know how long that lasts, but he, he, he knows he'll provide what you need throughout that time. I don't know if I, I don't think I have the strength to face anything, but Christ knows and he'll supply. That's why when Jesus is praying in John 17, he prays for his disciples and he prays for us. He says, Father, I do not ask on these behalf of these alone, but for those who will believe in me through their word. Speaking of the disciples, they'll be believers through the disciples and on and on down to the rest of us who believe because of his, their words. That's why when Jesus understood, when, Simon, when Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. What is he speaking of? You're going to deny me and you're going to be so discouraged afterwards, it's going to be, it could be really, really bad. I see that coming, and he's demanding to let that happen. The Father's giving him permission, but I'm praying for you that when you are restored, you'll strengthen your brothers. I am praying for you, Simon Peter. I am praying that when you go through that trial and temptation, and you're so discouraged, that you'll receive encouragement to come back, and then you'll use that experience to encourage others, because I have prayed for you. Father, I have prayed for Simon. I have prayed for John. I pray for, for Daniel, because I see what they have gone through and what they're going through, and they need prayer right now. And time I'm excited, amen? Let me ask you a question. What keeps you from drawing near to God? If you know that Christ is, is, there's a pledge in heaven by God himself, and he's permanently there, and the parameters are, are no time parameters, and the, the weight and gravity of sin, there's no parameters, and he has provision. What keeps you from drawing near to God in prayer or praying for others? Maybe you feel unworthy. Maybe you feel overwhelmed. That doesn't matter. Christ took care of it on the cross. Maybe you feel condemned. But who's the one who condemns? Christ Jesus, Paul says, is the one who died. Yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of the Father who intercedes for us. The devil goes like this with his condemnation arrow. Shield of faith that comes up and says, um, sorry, Christ is next to the Father interceding for me. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Maybe you're feeling weak and uncertain. Guess what? Romans says this. In the same way, the Spirit helps our weakness. The Holy Spirit also is involved in the intercession. For we know not know how to pray as we should, but the Holy Spirit prays himself, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Maybe we don't feel confident in approaching God. We feel, we feel so we feel so unworthy. Yes, we're unworthy, but Christ has take care of that. We have a mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. And if we sin, we have an advocate before the Father who intercedes for us, Jesus Christ the righteous. I don't know about you, but I want to draw near to God now with full confidence that we have a high priest who's not up there twirling the thumbs. He's busy praying for us, interceding for us, and that's an open channel to you before God, Jesus Christ, as your representative, my representative, for those who trust in Christ. Now, let me just say something. And if you're watching online, if you're in this room, if you don't have Christ, and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you stand by yourself, in your sin, with no help, before a holy God, no promise of provision for anything, well, you can look to yourself. You can look to whatever, your friends, your girlfriends, you know, latest magazines and books. That won't help you before holy God. Your sin is covering you. And Jesus Christ offers salvation freely to those who say, whosoever will come, come. 
Come to Christ. If you're not a believer, come to Christ. The benefits of being in Christ far outweigh (laughs) the deficits of not being in him. Let's praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Father, let me pray. Father, thank you that we have Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray for those who may be watching online. I pray, Lord, that you would draw many to know you. Father, that they would cry out in the name of Jesus and say, Lord, please save me. Please forgive me for my sins. I repent. Please wash my sins away. Please remove all stain of sin from my life. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. He was dead and three days later he rose again and he's alive today and he will come back. Please save my soul, Lord, and give me new life. Father, I pray for those who may be praying right now who's calling out to you. And I pray for believers, whether in, this, in our church here physically or watching online, who may feel discouraged or distant from God, feel like that they're in something too deep that they can't handle. Maybe there's doubts in their mind that God can't handle that, but Father, I pray for encouragement, Lord, that you would grant faith, that would, they would draw near in simple humility and faith and say, Lord, would you please help? And thank you, Lord, for your promise that we have a high priest in heaven who ever liveth to make intercession for us. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Why don't we stand up and just thank the Lord. God is good. We have, let me just say something. We may be small, but we have an audience of one, and Jesus Christ is here. Amen. And every single one, every, your life matters to him. Right? Your life matters. If, 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 it's, if, if you were the only one on planet Earth who needed salvation, he would have done what he did. And that changed his mind. He would have said, yep, she... He's worth it. She's worth it. Father, I, I, one person. He loves you that much. Let me leave you guys with a blessing. I like to do every Sunday our ironic blessing. And Moses tell, uh, tells Aaron to bless his people. Bless, bless my people by placing my name on them with these words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, remember this this week. Wait, we're having. Oh, great. <laughs> what is this? So, uh, what is Oh, that is. You might want to turn me down a little bit. Oh, now I'm off. Everybody hear me okay? Everybody's good? Okay. So, Beth, special thanks to Beth. She does not like to be called out, but she organized this. But the church has decided to give you guys a gift. Now, we did two gifts last year. We're doing one, and it's not practical. It's not practical at all. So, there's a restaurant. That's practical. A very, very nice restaurant. That's very practical. Um, (laughs) Called A a Different Point of View. It's probably one of the best restaurants. Nice. uh, Romantic restaurants. So, this is for you, Pastor. Oh, my goodness. Oh. 
So we just wanted to say thank you for just being faithful, both of you guys, for 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 faithfully giving us the word of God, for giving us counsel, uh, for loving us. And this comes from all of us. This is a, a, a community thing. Um, and so I just want to say thank you, but you're not, we're not needing that. Um, if I could have whoever wants to come up, I want to lay hands on Pastor and, and Sharon. Um, and we have another year of leading, and we need the Lord. And so this isn't upon one man. This is upon the Lord Christ, Jesus Christ who intercedes for us. So we just want to lay our hands on him and, um, and pray, Father. Uh, Father, we just want to lift up our pastor and our first lady. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be upon them, Father, that you would be with them and their children, Lord, that you protect their household, Lord. We know that the enemy wants to destroy both of them. They want to destroy their family, Lord, because they're doing the Lord's work. They're doing your work, Lord. They are submitting themselves to you in an effort to edify us, to to give us the word of God, Father. So I pray for your servants right now who have come to love us, who have been discipled us, who have um, shepherded us, Lord. I thank you for my pastor, Lord. I pray that you would be over his mind, give peace to his family, Lord. We pray for his daughter and his son, Lord. We pray for his dad. We pray for his whole family, Lord, that you protect them with your, because you are able, Lord, as we have heard. You are able, God. Father, you have all the power, Lord. You are so majestic and so loving that you have given us this shepherd. So, Lord, we we appreciate him. We love him. We want to honor him, Lord. But we also, Father, we want to submit himself, submit him to you, Lord, that he is just a man. And Father, you are an almighty God. And we come in our audience of one to say, Lord, bless our pastor, Lord. Bless our first lady, Lord. I pray that you would bless that family, Lord. They would not need for anything. The enemy would stay away from their mind and their hearts and their families, Lord. We pray for protection. And that, Father, we also, we pray for provision, for this church, Lord. We pray for efficacy in this ministry, Lord. And that, that efficacy can only come from you, Lord. It is not upon us. It's upon you only. So, Lord, we give our pastor to you, Lord, because we know he is, you are, uh, he is in able hands under your grace and your mercy, Lord. Thank you for your mercy and grace today. Thank you for your compassion upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.